There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When humanity will rise from the ashes of nuclear holocaust. When wizards will rule the world. 20th Century Fox presents Wizards, a futuristic fantasy epic born in the mind of Ralph Bakshi, the master of animated magic. It is the story of two brothers, Avatar and Black Wolf, powerful wizards and mortal enemies from the day they were born. Avatar, the good, who rules the peaceful kingdom of Montagar with wisdom. Science and technology were outlawed millions of years ago. And magic. Black Wolf, the future Fuhrer. Attention! Behold! Who rediscovers the ancient secrets of propaganda. Technology. And war. and sends out his muted armies in a reign of unimaginable terror. In Wizards, you will also meet the lovely Princess Eleanor, the loyal elf, Weehawk, and Peace, Black Wolf's evil robot henchman, who is transformed into an avenging instrument of justice. Wizards is a Tolkien world of fairies and elves, sorcerers and demons it is shot 10 million years from now against strange and huge panoramic settings and it is more fantastic more enchanting and more powerful than anything you've seen before wizards the ultimate futuristic fantasy epic I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Well, Danny boy, the plates are plates are your cohole. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Danny B Movies. Here, I introduce a guest and or myself to a cult movie. And it is the finale of Wizard Month. I hope you've had a magical time because most of the other ones I have yet to record. So we're doing some timey-wimey stuff going on. But I have a very special guest who's not been on for quite a while. And I know everyone has missed him as much as I have. And I've picked a very interesting film for us to look at. A children's film that features fairy prostitutes, and Nazi propaganda. And who else could I talk about those things with except Angry Andy Reviews? Welcome back to the show, Andy. How are you? I'm fine, except the uh, 
you're saying that you can only talk to people, someone like me about Nazi propaganda. What what is this? Who who are you painting me as? <laughs> what is going on? Everybody knows what you're like. A massive fascist. Uh, you are the uh, black. Yeah. You're the. You, I'm I'm the avatar, and you're the black wolf of this relationship. Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> may as well be. But yes, thank you, thank you for once again. Hey, every time I come on here, it's another feast of delight of some <laughs> kind of feature that you make me watch, and this is no different. I have no is. idea what was going on throughout. Horrified from the outset, <laughs> completely baffled at the end. Terrific, thank you. <laughs> well, I, I knew I knew you're a Lord of the Rings fan, and uh, Ralph Bakshi of uh, we're going to be talking about Wizards from 1977, which is a children's film. Um, we'll get into yeah. it. We'll get into yeah. it. Um, I like you uh, said, Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah, this is as far away from Lord of the Rings as you can get. This is Lord of the Rings if you had a meth-induced nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is all of those things. But also, like, Andy, this month, this particular month, was chosen over our World War II month by our by the Patreon as I well. So, so I'm, I'm glad you, you've managed to squeeze in some form of World War II content into this exactly. Wizards thing. So there you, you deserve credit for that, because I was really gunning for the the World War II genre. I know. But, um, and I, I, but don't worry, we'll, we've got it all set up for next year. So it's, <gasps> it, it is the game away. No, no, no. I've, I've already said. I've already said. But we've we'll, uh, we've got it. We've got it all set up. Might have changed it a little bit. Might have uh, might have put in a comedy or something just to mix it up. But a comedy. Uh, I might have thrown in a comedy. Maybe a, a What's satire. Funny about World War Two. Not much. Not much. <laughs> but I've, I I thought I, I thought it was it was getting a bit dour. So I was like, I think we need it's to World War Two, Dan. Of course it's dour. <laughs> Millions of people died. I know. I'm just saying. We'll save it. That's for next year. Don't worry. I've sorted it. Don't worry. I've planned oh, okay. it. I'm planning. I'm planning ahead. But um, I, I usually ask you to to uh, tell us the plot. But the introduction no. has already done that for you. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Ralph Bakshi, who. I would consider the anti-Disney. I've done a lot of kind of Disney podcasts this year with Natalie as well, a four-hour podcast with Natalie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, talking about Disney, and I've done some with Mike as well and Rhea and everybody. And uh, this is about as far away from Disney as a children's film gets. Ralph Bakshi is a really interesting, very outspoken, very political, very much yeah. about the people he's supports creators he doesn't like big business and you know people with a lot of money he's a satirist he is you know holding a mirror up to society <clears throat> he believes that animation is not just for children it's for adults and it should be as yeah. dirty and depressing and heartfelt and as moving as as, as real life actually is and he'll often record dialogue um, from just every day outside on the street. And yeah, I found that quite interesting um, about something. I think you you you, uh, you linked me in with a video that was based mm. on his work, and it was interesting that he'd recorded some people in a cafe, I think, mm. one particular scene, I think, in Fritz the Cat or something like that. And it's just like, it's just, it's just dialogue of people talking in a cafe, and then he, he's pasted that across... You know this this scene with these crows or something. I think it is, and it's it's really well done. It's, it gives it like a really sort of a realistic feel, even mm. though you're watching you know hardcore very, animation. Yeah, and it's very authentic. Like yeah. even even though it's you know these the they're anim, you know anim, anapomorphic animals and stuff. Yeah, we we still get a sense of like this is what real life is like, and a lot of his films are like that. He does high fantasy and then he does humorous stuff and then he does kind of heartfelt stuff like american pop he's a yeah. really unique person you might not 
agree with all his politics, which is fair enough. He is definitely a, an interesting figure, and he's he's got a raw talent. I think there's raw authenticity to his work. Uh, is it as polished as some other animation? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. But it's you can never say it's boring with Ralph Bakshi. No, there's always something going on on screen, whether it's even in the sort of like the minutiae or like, you know, really small moments. There's one particular moment in this film which really stands out and it's when two soldiers are just sort of talking and one's pretending to be dead and it's on the nose as a lot of this film is, but it's it's really raw and gives you like a proper sense of like, you know, almost like a, an authentic war kind of situation as well. Even though this is a high fantasy film, it's, it's very grounded in what's a gritty, violent sort of arms race. It's really mm-hmm. weird, this film. There's a lot going on it. Like you said, there's always something going on and nothing's ever really polished or set in stone all that much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you watch it and then you take your take away your own kind of thing from it. And for me, it became sort of like a, a psychedelic nightmare, you know, very much sort of like, not necessarily, even though, even though a lot of it's World War II, it almost sort of came across as like, you know, a Vietnam kind of-esque sort of, you know, people being abused with propaganda and yeah. drugs and MK Ultra and all this kind of stuff. I got a lot of that coming through it, as well as this, this, this overlay of World War II and... Hmm propaganda and persecution through that there's there's, more, there's multiple things going on in this and you can take something away from it from your own sort of I believe even if you don't necessarily like the film I think it's definitely worth <laughs> seeing once just to see this kind of vision on screen and to to get a sense of what it's about but yeah I, I do believe he's saying a lot about you know the subtext is about how dangerous pop- propaganda is oh yeah you know? Like I said, it's incredibly on the nose. Like the, within oh, yeah. the first sort of within the within the opening sort of five minutes, you're well aware of what what the intentions are of the film: propaganda, misuse of drugs, technology, control, technology, and how it's controlling our lives and how it's mm. going to uh, endanger our lives and endanger the the environment and things like that. It's all there. There's that much of it. I think as well that he's trying to say that fascism never really goes away fascism is is always there like he is he is of israel descent israeli descent so it's going to be one of those things that probably is quite close to his heart and the and the use of the imagery and the swastikas in this yeah um bear in mind this was marketed to children (laughs) i can't believe that I would this, never have put this down as a kid's film because it's it's not. There's there's a lot of violence in it. I know you get, you get violence in Disney films or whatever, but there are there are elves and you know Nazi soldiers doing battle, undead Nazi soldiers, you know, all doing battle at the end of the film. And when I say battle, I mean like in terms of like there's there's machine gun fire, there's swords and people getting you know cut in half and blown away and shot to pieces and it's animation but you see like young elves that look like kids being killed so you get that whole like you know the, in- the innocence of youth has all gone and all that there's, there's loads going on in this film but I can't believe this was ever marketed as a children's film because it doesn't it doesn't play like one it's got all the look of like nicey nicey you know, like sort of like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of like you know the animation Dungeons and Dragons the, ca- the characters cartoon. the characters they're, they're are very look, cutesy looking aren't they yeah they're, they're all cute. very cutesy looking but they're all hyper violent and it's that sort of cute cutesy look mixed in with this ultra ultra violence which is why I, I didn't think it was a kids film I thought it was mm. like okay this is an adult film played to look like a kids film but no you said it's it is <laughs> Completely marketed as a kids film because this was a, this was a challenge to himself because he's famous for doing Fritz the Cat, which is the first X-rated yeah. animated movie. And every time he did a film, there was some sort of controversy. You know, films are often taken away from him, re-edited, 
or they won't allow his vision to come out because they're worried yeah. about controversy and his, you know, his satire did a black exploitation film, which some people considered racist, but it is a pure satire, that film. Yeah. It's, you know, he's taking that, you know, that racism and, and spinning it and, and showing us a view of it um, from a different perspective but this was his attempt again it's not like it's it's as close to a kids film as he could make because you know it's he's he said oh in comparison something like fritz the cat this is quite tame but still there's over sexualization there's prostitutes there's implied abortion talk of abortion of of, of, uh there's there's implied kind of uh rape or there's a fairy who's forced to strip for these nazi mutant soldiers (laughs) you know and you know, sing a song. It, there's some really disturbing mm. imagery, but it but it is powerful and it does work. And they do the 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 imagery does stay with you. It doesn't leave you. And obviously, this is all kind of belaboring his point. Like you said, he's he's kind of going over the same points again, the allegories and everything. Yeah. And it is, I find it entertaining and unique. But yeah, absolutely, is not for kids. I would not recommend showing no. this to kids, even if it, it wasn't full of, of swastikas and Nazi propaganda. The violence in it is quite intense. Again, cutesy-looking yeah. characters like Wee Hawk, who's like an elf. And, you know, he ca- he calls Eleanor a slut later on as well. Yeah, um, yeah he does, yeah. I, I rewound that bit because I was like, yeah, you said that. Yeah, he does. I rewound he does. it, I was like... Jesus Christ! <laughs> and uh, you know, and there's there's a there's a, a line from Avatar later on who's you know who says "son of a bitch," yeah. you know, and there's all sorts of you kind of color. You son of a bitch! <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, let's let's we've talked about Bakshi and the ideas and the things that he was trying to say, the subtext of the film. But um, let's it's not talk very about subtext, though, is it? <laughs> no, but as you, as you've heard in the introduction, the the, this is a post-apocalyptic fantasy film as well, which is quite unique. Like, mm. humans are basically all dead. They've, we've bombed each other, you know, to smithereens, and then these fantasy creatures reclaim the Earth. You know, there's these mutants and uh, kind of uh, ugly kind of creatures, evil creatures that have, have come up out of the depths. But then also in a Montagar, and Scorch is the evil place, Montagar's a good place, and then this fairy queen comes out. Um, she gives birth to two wizards, and one is Black Wolf, who's this evil wizard with skeletal arms, this mutant wizard. And Avatar is this, you know, handsome young hero. And uh, we've talked. I've talked about um, one of the artists in this film, Mike Plug, before on my Man Thing podcast and my Werewolf by Night podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. he does. He does the artwork for the segments that are just kind of still images, um, which I really do like. Even though obviously a lot of the choices for this were budgetary constraints, you know, yeah. were for budgetary reasons. But I like that he's come up with unique and interesting ways to get around those budgetary constraints. Mm. Um, and and that that was one of the things I really appreciated because I loved his artwork anyway in the comics. And, uh, you know, he's done a lot of production design for like, he did he did work on The Thing and various other films as well. Yeah. And 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 it's it comes to one's evil, one's good. Very stereotypical fantasy film. They have a big fight for for power after the mum dies and then piss, Black Wolf pisses off for 3,000 years 
discovers <laughs> discovers he can't win this fight because his mutants and denizens of hell that he pulls up and I think there are some human esque characters being never yeah their face. they're like they're like they're like human like radioactive sort of like creatures aren't they the, mm. the ones that have survived are still like you know kind of creatures aren't they I think yeah there there are also like small population of humans that have survived that aren't really involved are they. I think you no. hear about them, but you don't really see much of them. I think no. no it's, there's there's those there's the masked ca- soldier characters, but then there's also like I, I think it depends who was drawing that day. Basically, like who, what do you want to draw and how do you want to draw it? And it's basically yeah. just a bit a big just ugly trolls and lizards and mutants and freaky looking villains. And yeah, it's all the stereotypes of a of an evil army, isn't it? An evil wizard's army, like lizard people and mermen and yeah, <laughs> all sorts, all sorts, yeah, all all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. So we, we learn that Black Wolf is trying to, he's been trying for 3,000 years to beat his brother and take over as the ruler of Earth, basically, or what's left of it, and take over Montagar. And he's struggling because his his, uh, his army is very dim-witted and stupid and easily distracted, and they've not got the essence or that, that kind of uh, motivation drive. to, yeah, exactly, the drive to win and to yeah. fight. Uh, and that was the main reason he lost his fight against his brother. And he finds, he digs up all this previous technology, tanks and, um, you know, Nazi propaganda, and he shows this to his army, and that kind of reinforces them, and then they go out and they win battles. They sh- This magic projector shows it to the elf army, all this Nazi, like, literal Nazi propaganda, like, real footage yeah. of Nazi propaganda with Hitler and everything. And and that disturbs the elves as well, uh, the elves. Yeah, and- it, it sends them into, into hysterics, doesn't it? It makes yeah. them sort of retreat from battle and not want to fight. And they just get massacred, don't they? They just get yeah. massacred. Absolutely um, annihilated. And, uh, <laughs> and it's really, really brutal. Um, and you have uh, Necron 99, who goes out and is sent is a robot who is sent to assassinate Avatar, who is a comp- in his group. There's the president who is dressed like a clown and is Eleanor's father. Bizarre, yeah. cho- bizarre choice for a design, but he gets shot to death. And his <clears throat> like some really heart wrenching moments in this film as well. Like when when her, when Eleanor's father is dead and she's clawing it at Necron 99 and mm. screaming, screaming, like she's just lost her mind as she's lost her father. It's like, that's not a kid's film type thing with someone no. screaming in grief like that. Yeah, we, we, we've, dealt, we've dealt with trauma multiple times in Disney films. Mm. You never see it in sort of that raw sort of state of like somebody going into manic sort of depression mm. and, you know, unable to comprehend anything. You, you, don't, you don't see any of that in Disney. No. So well, literally just, it's, it's pure raw emotion. anger and misery, isn't it? Yeah, and it just come, pours out of her. And, she, and before she's like kind of a cutesy, cuddly you know, like ditzy, very, again, very scantily clad, very sexualized yeah. kind of Completely character. over-sexualized. Yeah, nipples showing and everything. And yeah, it's it, it's a bit it's a bit much, but I still kind of like her character because she's like, I'll fucking kill people, I'll avenge my father and stuff. I just think maybe if they toned down the sexualization of their mm. character, it might have worked a bit better. That's the thing, isn't it, with, with, the, with the characters? With the characters with like sort of the animation style, the characters and the way they look is completely is like an antithesis of how they actually are in the in the film how they Mm -hmm. behave in the film so you've got this over sexualized almost betty boop looking fairy Mm -hmm. who's actually a a vengeful being she wants to kill she wants to revenge 
her father and you've got these elves that look you know they look young you know if you think of like lord of the rings like they, they look a lot younger than that they look like they look like children mm. and yet they're on the front line of this war getting massacred and it, it sort of gives you that sort of like okay there, there were young people on the front line of world war Two and all this and it's sort of like that allegory and i, I said it before we started like the allegory is so on the nose there's no way you can miss it. You can't miss anything in this film in terms of what it's trying to say, what it's trying to mean. Um, and maybe that maybe that was the point though, because yeah, it was exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it because it's marketed as a kids' film. Mm. And and there's some very complex ideas for a kids' film. Oh, yeah. To be to be getting across and, and complex emotions to be sorted out like like Avatar goes into this, you know, spoilers, by the way, we're talking about uh, a film from 1977. So if you haven't yeah. seen it, go I mean, and watch it. Go <laughs> and watch it. We're, he gets in, once Eleanor betrays him, he feels heartbroken. He gets into like this kind of depression. He's he's confused. His mind, mind is clouded. His magic isn't really working. Yeah. You know, he's he, he's lost his impetus to fight as well, mm. which is, again, is it falls into that. And he's like, I don't think I can defeat my brother. And uh, and I love I love when films subvert my expectation. You know, it, some people don't particularly like that, but I, I like it when I'm genuinely surprised by something. Yeah. And, and the ending... Uh, the big wizard, because again, there's this term in like writing where you have the wizard's jewel, don't you? The, the you know, the, I think I think it's a writing term anyway. It's the big finale, the wizard's jewel, and and we are expecting this big magical battle between the two of them, and it's, they're going to like turn into different animals and you know conjure the weather and everything, and absolutely not because. Yeah. No, because, nothing happens <laughs> because it, it reminded me of like equilibrium equilibrium is a great example of that because oh, you go God, yeah you that, go in that fabulous build-up and then oh, it's over in two seconds exactly and it's <laughs> I, I, you know i love i love that so i know you're you're a fan as well but like th- and that's what you kind of been waiting into. a long time for this cleric <laughs> <laughs> but yeah absolutely and the, the same with this because he he goes you know he goes uh <laughs> Um, I'm glad you changed your name, you son of a bitch. Pulls out a Luger uh, avatar and shoots uh, Black Wolf dead. Like <laughs> that's it, that's it. And like that's like five minutes before the end. Like right, you got all this this whole journey, this battle, <coughs> everything they've gone through. They fought like you know they've they've gone into like these we hawk had his little nightmare sequence. They got captured by fairies, yeah. assassins. There's you know uh, Eleanor is taken over by by Black yeah. Wolf. They've fought a tank. You know, it's all sorts of crazy, and and the fact that it just kind of goes, you know, oh, you know, it, and it's it's weird because it's it, of this whole thing is like anti technology, and he goes, well, fuck it, I'll just fight fire with fire, and I'll shoot you dead with it yeah, with, yeah, with a German like, gun. Yeah, it's, it's Black Wolf has been sort of like relying on this new technology, feels invincible by it, and yet he's he's completely undone by the technology he's been profiting from, and you know, wanting to use. He doesn't see it coming. He's blind. He's blinded by his own technology, which is a great sort of thing to look at in terms of our time. Even now, and that was that was, that was in the late seventies. Mm. You know what? Nearly what twenty five years on, we're sort of like you know we're at this point where technology is blinding us as well mm. in terms of what we can see right in front of us, and he he doesn't see the obvious in front of him. You know, it's clearly you know the technology is going to be used against him. Yeah, he doesn't see it. It's a, it made me laugh like when he pulled it out. I went, well, yeah. you son of a bitch. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, it's just because you, you don't expect it. You don't expect it because you are expecting this this big wizard battle, you know, mm. you know, Gandalf versus Saruman or, you know, something like that. Mm. And you don't. You just get him pulling out this piddly little Luger, blowing him away completely. And then he goes, all right, then, and swaddles off. 
it's a bizarre way to end it, but it, it makes sense in terms of like the context of the film, mm. in what terms of this like technology, the over reliance on technology, and how it will undo you mm. if you if you if you become enslaved to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Did you have any expectations coming in with this? Did you look into anything? Did you research it at all, or was it just did you just kind of blindly watch it? I blindly watched it because I hadn't heard anything of it before. I knew of Lord of the Rings. I remember watching the animated Lord of the Rings film a very long time ago. I haven't watched it since, obviously, the Peter Jackson ones came out because they sort of override yeah. my, my thoughts on what Lord of the Rings should be now, hmm. uh, for better or worse. And I knew of sort of like the, the art style and everything from that Lord of the Rings film, but with this film in particular, I knew nothing about it. I knew absolutely nothing about it. And when I started watching it, I was like, oh, Jesus. Hmm. It, it kind of shocked me. Like purely because of because like I've said already multiple times, just how immediately on on the nose it all is. Like this is it. This is what he wants. This is what he's discovered, and he's going to use this in this Nazi sort of propaganda to get, achieve his goals. So I was kind of glad that I didn't look into it before I actually turned it on. To be quite honest, because it kept hold it kept hold of my my focus rather than sort of going okay. I'm expecting this to happen now because of, hmm. I, I know what the film is about. I kept, yeah. kind of was just utterly focused in on it purely because I was shocked. By the opening. Yeah, because because again, like it doesn't kind of follow those set standard kind of storytelling rules. It kind of goes off on its own thing, goes off on some odd tangents, which I think some of them don't necessarily work. I think some of them aren't the best. Yeah, yeah uh, some, some of the some of the story, some of the story beats, some of the directions it takes, like mm. and the screenplay. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's particularly well written. No. To be quite honest, when it does go off on these tangents and you're like, well, where is this going? Why are you going here? Why are you doing this? It's uh, the whole the whole bit yeah. where they fight the fairies didn't really need to happen. No, and it's it's kind of it's kind of bizarre really because the imagery and everything we see is so direct, it's so in your face, it's you know, you you've got you you will acknowledge what you're seeing, mm. you will be absorbed by it, and yet the story itself trails off and goes off into stupid areas and you kind of go oh i don't want to see this focus more in on what you've already sort of put me through put yeah. me through more of it don't don't trail off and go to some place that we, we you know like like for me don't like, want to see. like i do enjoy the comedy in it i think some of it works like the bit the bit where like you were saying where fritz they killed fritz they killed fritz i can't believe the foot no i was just pretending to be asleep and he's and then he goes oh i can't believe you did that what a dick shoots him accidentally and like you yellow fairies you killed fritz you yeah know? Uh, which is a reference to to his film Fritz the Cat because yeah, yeah, yeah. the writer the under, it's an underground comic Fritz the Cat and he loved it got the rights to it made the film big success and then they made a sequel with not not with Ralph Bakshi with somebody else and the guy who who created Fritz the comic killed him off so that's kind of Brilliant. a reference to him to them uh, <laughs> killing off that character can't believe he yeah. killed Fritz um, but it is one of the more humorous uh, takes the bit in the in the kind of temple the religious temple where it's got like all this I found that quite interesting because it's filled with kind of memorabilia from like the entertainment industry like there's the CBSI um, yeah, and there's really various weird, other stuff. Yeah, so it's almost like they're they're worshiping. It's almost like a Mad Max type situation where they're like worshiping yeah. the car and the chrome and the, yeah, the like, engine. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like media itself, and you know, media itself is a fallen god. You know, the, the craving for this these these idols to return. Yet they don't have they don't know how to harness these powers. And yet, when he obviously when the bad guy does find you know the ultimate in terms of media power, which is you know propaganda, that's what makes it haunting. Because it's like, well, you know. 
all, all these all these old previous sort of media conglomerations me you know they had they had good intentions and now they've all fallen they they were responsible for the fall of man in terms of technology and war and everything like that because media itself does have a big impact doesn't it and you know on on war and we're, we're seeing it right now with everything that's going on yeah. you know Russia and Ukraine we're getting all our all our news and all our information from sky from NBC, through Fox News, and we're all getting different angles and different opinions. So that's when when they see all that kind of stuff in that in that sort of cathedral of you know fallen idols. Um, it was kind of like oh bloody hell, you know that that's on that's those, those know, are a those, powerful piece of imagery as well. Yeah, those, they're responsible for it. Those are the new god. Those are our currently our gods. Is like yeah. you know the social media or the TV yeah. or you know a lot of people literally will will die for what some fucker like Piers Morgan will say on TV. They'll be like, that's my yeah. opinion, and he's right, yeah. and I'll fight for that, I'll fight for my opinion, and yeah. it could be totally fucking wrong and could potentially lead to more heartache yeah, and, and pain. There's that, there's that series, that's, I think it's finished now, but I can't remember what it's called, but it was by Neil Gaiman, I think, and um, it was something to do with like the old gods fighting the new gods. Oh, American American Gods? Uh, yeah, that's it. American Gods, yeah. I mean, I watched the first two series and I think it went off the boil when half the cast left because of whatever reason. But that was the same kind of thing. It was like the old gods are failing, you know, like Odin and, you know, uh, the Easter the Easter Bunny, you know, I think she was one of them. Um, <laughs> sure. But then it was, it was the new gods were like media and social media and things like this. And they were all taking, they were all consolidating their power. And how they were spinning it to influence you know, the people because it was a battle for it was a battle for influence and it, I just I just found it quite interesting that in in this sort of in this sort of film we're seeing sort of the back end of that you know once all these once all this influence has failed from these massive media organisations what what comes next well it's just the fall of man isn't it because we're lost without information what do we and do if, if news is the only is the primary source of information news influences social media if they all fail what what happens where do we go or we just dive into anarchy then don't we and in a in a weird way this film and its messages are relevant even now you know yeah. 45 years later is it i think maybe some of that i, I got my yeah. time wrong and i said like i said 25 years but yeah. 77 i can't do my maths yeah, I think why, it's, why I want to say, I want to say, I want to say, 40 40, years, isn't it? yeah, 45, I think. Anyway, it, it does, you know, those ideas are very clear, <clears> they're very <throat> succinct. Again, he does bash it, bash you over the head with it, but oh, again, yeah. again, that's kind of the point. That's what he's doing. He's, he does it in his mm. other films. There's other films like Lord of the Rings, obviously, is a pretty straight adaptation for him. Yeah, he, it is. He, he unfortunately didn't get to make the sequel because there was supposed to be two parts and again, creative yeah. differences. It does seem to, to butt heads with studios quite a lot. Um, and I think it's just his, he's an artist, he believes in authenticity and a rawness and a a truth to his art. And I think when money and other stuff gets in the way, that can be a problem. Like even on this film, uh, 1.2 uh, million budget, he ran out of money. He said, I need another $50,000 to finish this. And they said, we're not giving it to you. You have to finish it. It was all the battle scenes yeah. and... And he was speaking. So George Lucas at 20th Century Fox was also making Star Wars at the time, and even asked Ralph to drop the original title was War Wizards, and and George asked him to drop War from from War Wizards, so it wouldn't you know affect oh, yeah, have a detrimental impact on the yeah. absolutely. So George had also gone over budget by like two million or something on Star Wars. So yeah. they sat down and they were talking like they're not giving us any more money. What do we do? The studio said. 
take out your own money. So George went off and did that. He said, I'm going to take it. But he he, tra- he changed the, the back end of the deal. And I think he kept the merchandise rights and stuff like that, yeah. which obviously is history. But with Bakshi, he, put, he got paid $100,000. So he went, right. I'll cut half my fee, I'll give it to the animators, and we'll just do it. But mm. he, he came up with a technique, or well, he didn't come up with a technique, but he he implemented this technique called rotoscoping, which involves the tracing over uh, the animated cells over film footage. So there's lots of film footage in this for the battle scenes, because that's the yeah. one thing he hadn't animated, which is very key. And, and arguably some of the best bits in it are the battle sequences yeah it's probably the, the only part of the film i think where it's actually edited really well the rest of the film for me is a, it's a it's a mixed bag in terms of the editing sure it's all over the place it's choppy it doesn't make any sense but yet for the battle scenes it's because it is chaotic it is you know completely out there it actually fits the editing is done and like you said with, with this sort of like sketching over and tracing over you get some weird sort of imagery don't you yeah with all these with real life soldiers mixed in with hellscapes looking yeah, you've got like things. you've got like nazi helmets on but they add horns and glowing eyes and yeah. things like that yeah. and these shadow creatures from out of hell that have been drawn yeah. up by him as well and it really does work and i think and he absolutely implemented this technique in all of his future films american pop fire and ice yeah. Um, you name it. It's kind of it's kind of been his thing to do that, and and it does work. To unfortunately, the face you can't really get detail on the face. Unfortunately, that well. No, they do just look more like shadow beings, don't they? Mm. Shadow creatures, especially sort of like the Nazi soldiers and all like the images of vehicles and like the sort of like the background battles. They're they're all sort of like completely blurred out, aren't they? Mm. Um, I wouldn't say blurred out, but. They are made to look smudged. like demons, yeah. smudged demons, like they've come from the depths of hell. And I think that's the way it, it sort of played across, isn't it? Especially in the epilogue when it's describing what happens to them all. It's, it's played out like though these are like demons and phantoms of what's come before, yeah. mixed in with his own armies that have yeah, like the lizards and the mutants, yeah, and yeah, the zombies, all sort of mixed and, in together. And yeah, it's 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 a fascinating thing. And I think that, like I said, I think those are some of the best moments. And again, brutal. There's like brains coming out of people's heads, and you know gutting people and uh, you know slitting throats <clears throat> machine gun fire filling people full yeah. of holes it is it's, it's pretty much like an animated sort of saving private ryan isn't it towards the end mm. so you got the the final the end battle of saving private ryan which is a lot of people getting killed in horrific ways and you got this you got this very same sort of scenario at the back end of this film it is it's literally it's literally complete war violence in animation form there's people being gunned down left right and center you know there's, there's elves fighting with swords i think there's one bit where there's there's two evil soldiers on top of these on top of a, a pile of bodies of elves and you just see more elves trying to climb up to kill them and they're just gunning them down like and it's it's a, it's, a, it's a good 10 15 second 10 15 second shot of just these two these two creatures just gunning down these elves and they're trying to climb up to you know to slice at them and nothing's held back because you can see them like the, the bodies that they're all stood on they're all like you know their eyes are all gone or there's limbs missing and there's there's blood pouring out of their heads nothing's held back nothing sort of left to the imagination that's one thing I've always liked about animation is that the fact that you can go a little bit further <clears throat> even with a PG rating or a 12A or something you can go the, that little bit more violent or that little bit more you know you know if it was real blood coming out of them or if it's a real person but with this obviously they're all kind of ghosts or demons or elves or wizards or fairies so there is i think there is that license a little bit obviously he goes way overboard for a kid's a film. little bit 
but I th- <laughs> but I think I've always appreciated that. I've always liked adult animation, and I think I always will because I think there is something there. There is things to be said within adult animation. And if anything, Ralph Bakshi is the godfather of adult animation. We wouldn't have things like heavy metal or, you know, um, maybe some even some of the anime and things we get and, you know, some of those more mature kind of DC animated films as well. I don't think... Yeah, we we yeah. would have that without his influence. Again, mm. whether you like his work, whether you don't, his influence has been important in regards to this. And you have to remember as well, like back in that time, Hollywood was going through a big change. We've talked about it before with directors and, yeah, yeah. you know, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, who he was good friends with, all these guys. Mm. He he knew them very well and, and they all believed in the same kind of ethos. I think... Bakshi was a bit more outspoken about it and politically, yeah. you know, got himself in some trouble and controversy, like we've said. The the world of cinema was changing. The world of animation was tra- was changing at the same time. It was a new, you know, outlook and a new perspective. And people wanted real stories being told. Things like Mean Streets, like Scorsese's Mean Streets or, yeah. you know, or The Godfather or, you know, all the stuff that Spielberg's gone on to do with the fan- more the fantasy sci-fi element. But he was part of that group of people and has, has maintained his friendship. He has fans like... Quentin Tarantino, Spike Lee, uh, Richard Pryor, Billie Eilish is a fan of Ralph Bakshi. <laughs> like it, it, it goes, oh to, God. It, you know, it transcends. You know, Quentin Tarantino wrote the foreword for his book. You know, he's that keen on the guy and his work, and it's yeah. been so influential. Uh, Matthew Modine, like Tarantino likes everyone though, doesn't he? Yeah, kind of. You're a bit controversial. Tarantino's going to write the foreword <laughs> in your book. All right. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> thanks, thanks, dude. But yeah, like who who else did he? Who else is he? Uh, who else? Oh, Gore Verbin- Verbinski of uh, a Rango yeah. fame. You know, he he was like when I was animating Rango, I thought about Ralph Bakshi's work. Such but, yeah. an interesting one. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's a it's a huge huge <clears throat> influence he's had. Um, yeah. re- again, regardless, you know what? I re- I reckon Disney had a sort of like a bit of like you know when they when they came through the Black Cauldron, which mm. Natalie finished early watching earlier today. We we tried watching it and we we turned it off halfway through because we couldn't handle it because mm. uh, it's crap. But I wonder if Disney sort of looked, when when they came to do like the Black Cauldron, whether they went, oh, we need to go a bit darker, don't we? Oh. Should we get Ralph Bakshi? You know, oh no, we'll, we'll just try and rip it off, and we'll go, we'll go a bit dark. Yeah, I don't we'll think he would. I, I, I honestly don't think he would have worked for Disney anyway. No, Willie, Willie, Willie Birds, but I think Disney probably went. Oh well, our animations kind of get floundering a little bit in it. Mm. Black Cauldron. Oh well, Wizards, Wizards did really well, didn't it? Let's let's try and rip that off a little bit. So, it, so it's it almost did. like a, it's it almost did. like a back and forth, isn't it? Yeah. So Ralph Bakshi is the first animator to have two financially successful animated films back to back. The only other person before that was Walt Disney. Nine million it made on a budget of 1.2. And that's Wizards came out the week before Star Wars did. So even Massive. if, even we, it, it, you know, there's so many films that failed when Star Wars were released, you know, like Sorcerer, William Friedkin's Sorcerer, and various yeah. other films like just got absolutely destroyed by Star Wars. But the fact that Ralph Bakshi's small animated studio, you know, came in mostly on budget, mostly, but still made a huge profit. That's why he got given Lord of the Rings. That's why he kept having work because his techniques allowed him to do to keep in budget or slightly under budget, 
depending on the work, but the rotoscoping, the other stuff, the, the live action he would film and then rotoscope. He did that for Lord of the Rings with the battle scenes. You know, that is kind of incredible in a way, you know. Yeah. I find it absolutely fascinating that he's had such success and such career, such a career, an interesting career, just off the back of stuff like that. Yep, 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. But uh, was there a, was there any was there any moments where you were like, this is just kind of just crap. This this is. Crap. Oh, the, there were there were numerous moments. To be quite honest, like, <laughs> I, I did I did zone out a good few times. Pure like when we said like I, some of the side stories, which were just utter shit. I just a lot a lot of the characters didn't really work for me either. Like the I didn't really buy the hero the hero elf. I can't remember his bloody name. That's that's how literally sort of. Uh, we we hawk. We hope that's him. I was like, I don't, I don't care what you're trying to say. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get you. I don't believe you. You're shit like a lass. Um, not interested. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to sort of like remember which bits I didn't really like because I completely zoned out. That's the thing with this film because, like I said, everything, all the imagery is so direct, so to the point, so focused on making you acknowledge what it's trying to say, and yet the story is fucking garbage. It's literally a garbage story for me. Like we were saying at the start, like, oh, it's it's three million years in the future, and then another three thousand years, mm. and then another hundred years. I'm like, how many time jumps are we doing in this prologue? Mm. What is going on? I was like, just 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 set it and leave it as it is. So immediately for me, I was kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm lost already because you've done three time jumps. I ain't got a clue what's going on. Mm. And yet during the film, the sort of going back in time because of all the all, all the imagery, all the use of technology, all the weapons and everything is kind of going back in time. Yeah. Like, I, I, so it's I'm yeah, lost already. So it, it, it jumps. We see the extinction of Earth. Like this is this is really interesting because it's a post-apocalyptic fantasy film because usually fantasy films aren't even set on Earth a lot of the time. It's usually like Middle Earth or it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. A, a, you know, a mystical land. You know, it's Narnia. You know, it's something like that. It's an untold realm of delightful possibilities. <laughs> oh, Mr. Tumnus. Uh, you know, there's all that sort of bullshit that comes with fantasy films. I think, I think fantasy films and sword and sorcery films are quite tricky as well. Like, there's very few that are like nailed it. Absolutely brilliant fantasy film. I think we get the, yeah. the I think we get the modern kind of urban fantasy films that seem to be a bit more popular, like a, a never-ending story or a, I don't know. Mm. Indian in the cupboard. I'm pulling yeah. weird references out my ass. <laughs> That's I don't a know why. bizarre one. I know. I don't know why that came to that life. from. <laughs> fucking hell! I would never have come up with that in a million years, would they? Uh, yeah, yeah. There you and go. then you get a lot of fantasy films which just have it's just bollocks in a glass, isn't it? And you're yeah. like looking at it, going, "What is this? Mm. What is this?" Yeah. And yet it's got moments of grand, grand design, and the rest of it's just ass. It's kind of what this this was for me. Like, there are moments of you know excellence in it for me, especially mm. like the battle scenes and the way that it does portray the propaganda. Because all mm. I was thinking of what was was literally propaganda in war mm. and how it does influence the masses on both sides and what it can do, mm. you know, to propel an army or to demoralize uh, an army completely. And yet, I was like, oh, and now we're going to some shitty village that I don't really care about to to do battle with these. What, why? Who? What's what's my name? I've lost track of what I'm doing. <laughs> That's all I could think of. I was like, right, okay, I've completely lost the point. How much of this film have I missed? Ten seconds. Right. Okay. What the fuck? Yeah. 
I mean, again, we we talk about the the fairy the fairy kind of segment is like it's it's almost like a side mission, isn't it? It's almost like oh, we're just yeah. get this this it's a side mission you get in the middle of Skyrim, and you're like, oh, do I have to? <laughs> it's on it's on the way to the main quest. So you go, oh fuck it, I'll go and do it anyway. I might get yeah. sold out of it. Speaking of George Lucas, this is actually Mark Hamill's first acting credit on uh, IMDb because he was filming Star Wars and he took a bit of time off. And uh, George was like, well, I've got this guy who is an actor. Do you, do you have any roles for him? So he plays Sean, the fairy king, who gets promptly assassinated after he introduces himself. <laughs> He's like, assassins! And gets shot directly in the chest, very violently. And it's, again, like with that, there's a bit of a disconnect for me because he gets assassinated. It's implied that it's Peace or Necron 99, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Um who who is a very small part of this film, even though he's plastered over like every poster on his horse. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's he's quite you know because I, I actually coming back to what I'd seen it before, but coming back to watch it, I was like, oh, I, I remember him being quite prevalent, and it kind of open the story opens with him going to assassinate Avatar, and and I thought he was in it all the, all the way up to the end, but he he really wasn't, and no, it kind of just fades away, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of. Thing. It gets murdered by Eleanor when she's taken over by Black Wolf. And yeah, it's kind of just just that. But he it's implied that because Weehawk's like, I don't trust you, you're evil. I don't trust you because yeah. uh, Avatar has reprogrammed him. And there's a really kind of quick, like you were talking about the editing, and there's this bit where all of a sudden we see Eleanor screaming. I'm like, where the fuck did she go? Where yeah. What's just happened? Where the f-? And then she's captured. She's between these two stone columns and yeah. being interrogated by the fairies. And it just it threw absolutely threw me for a loop. I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" Like, I didn't. That was that's the big bone condition for me. It was that point. I literally had no idea what was going on. I literally didn't know what was going on because everything happened so quickly. When I was saying like within five seconds everything had changed, hmm. well, that was it. That was that moment. I was kind of hmm. like, has, "Has a bit of the movie been cut? Have I, have I missed something entirely?" Because you, don't, really you don't, you don't see the assassins. You don't see Pete do it either. And it's kind of like, oh, is it? Is it him? Is it? Is it going to go ahead? Is this? What is happening? We Hawks falling into a cave and is is fighting this nightmare creature thing, um, or, or, or this invisible creature and stuff. So it's yeah, it's very very confusing for me. And oh, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah, it's it's really 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 bizarre. I just I don't get what I don't know whether something was cut out or something was missing. I'm, mm. I'm not sure because it just doesn't make it doesn't fit. You're like, oh, okay, this has all happened. Why? Yeah, yeah it was, that was my least favourite probably part of the film. And I don't feel like they have much of a threat towards the group either. I think they could just, if they wanted to, just step yeah. on them. And and, Black, them all. and then Black Wolf turns up and is like, ooh, and just disappears. He's like, <laughs> don't listen to Avatar. He's not good. And then Peace turns back up and it's like he's been injured, so he must have killed the other assassins. But yeah, it's, it's not very... Like we said, it's not very coherent, but yeah, it's completely all over the place, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's completely it's all over the place that bit. It's a, it's a mess. Like even the more kind of even the other sequences, like where they go to that temple and and other mm. stuff, or, or where we where we go to the like the bar in in Scorch and things, and we yeah. they have the sword thrown at this guy and stuff. Even that is kind of a little bit smoother. But yeah, there's just one section. It's just I think that that also annoyed me because again, it's just all like oh we're we weasels, we little fairies, and I was <laughs> like yeah, I don't really like this. And again. <laughs> And they don't really yeah, clarify- this is this is absolute shite. <laughs> and they don't they don't really clarify the difference between like Eleanor. She says she's not you know 
a true fairy she's going to be. Like yeah. a, fa- a father seems human. She's saying like her wings are not fully formed or they're transparent. Or yeah, something. there's a lot that comes up in such a short space of time where you're like, okay, it, it's mm. like backstory and all sorts that just pops up and you're like, what? Okay, can you clarify any of this? No, we're moving on. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I think that's it. I think sometimes with with the fantasy films is this they they come up with all this law. They either come up with too much law or mm. they they don't come up with enough to fill in the gaps sort of thing or again like we get we usually get a big exposition dump like every thor movie was like long ago God, yeah. the yeah. glue the gloobity glue in the darkness of space did this and the big bang and blah. yeah but then some films where you're like desperate for exposition like um i don't know say like uh the fucking rise of skywalker like how did any of this fucking out yeah. how did he get here how would the fucking empire how the empire got all these thousands of ships oh some... no fuck it <laughs> buy a comic later on down the line in 12 months time play all right, play, play, um, for, play fortnite that'll tell you yeah fuck off oh god (laughs) somehow palpatine has returned yeah can can you tell me please i'd really like to know (laughs) it's in a comic in 12 months all right okay nice one (laughs) yeah some films where you're like you're desperate for a bit of exposition because sometimes you do need it you know i would go on about exposition how much i hate it if it's done properly within you know a decent way Hmm. whether it's a character explaining you know, his own personal motivations or something along the lines or something's discovered and unraveled or contemplated upon, then fine. But you can't just plow through entire scenes like this and go, well, you know, her wings are not properly formed because she's part fairy and this is that. And you're like, where did the fuck did this come from? Mm-hmm. Oh, it doesn't matter. Well, it fucking does. Because you're giving me some kind of impetus of what, to work, what her character motivations might be, why she is more aggressive why she is being persecuted by all these other furries or, you know, any of the other characters, why they don't trust her. This is important. It's important, just like it's important to know how Palpatine survived. Oh, it doesn't matter. He just, it, it just somehow, brilliant. <laughs> right. Somehow. Somehow. We've got, we've got, we've got, we've got a, that's what I hated about Rise of Skywalker. I quite like The Last Jedi, but Rise of Skywalker was 20 minutes of retconning, which drove me fucking mad. (laughs) It it just, it's just like, I don't have a problem with retconning, but if, if, if you've had such a bad reaction to the previous film, I don't think you need to fix it. I would just roll with those punches. You've made that decision. You've agreed to it. The director has released the film. It's had, you know, it's, you know, I said this on the BBS podcast we did. Uh, I don't know if you did. I don't know if going and fixing problems that the audience has with a film is a good thing. I think, just carry on. You're like you've you've told that story. Everyone has signed yeah. off on this story. Everyone has said yes. It, yeah. This is fine. So move on with it. Go with it. Don't don't just go. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That was a lie. <laughs> you know, bullshit. Utter bullshit for me. But uh, anyway, <laughs> not getting onto Star Wars again. We we talked enough Star Wars in this podcast alone. I think. No, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> There's always more Star Wars to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But so anyway, the rise of Skywalker. Anyway, um, yeah, back to that. Back to that. War wizards. War wizards. I uh, rise I, of the war wizards of Skywalker. The war wizards. Did you? Uh, speaking of Eleanor, let's let's talk about her a little bit. I think again, we've talked about that she's overly sexualized, but there's some really mm. like I think this film has some really heartfelt moments in it. I think the the horror of war and homelessness and taking prisoners and. 
yeah. you know, there's there's that little woman in there going, you know, we we all we have is love, and and they have weapons of war and things like that, and there's yeah. you know, and they're and when Eleanor and and Avatar are trapped in the snow and they're going to freeze to death as well, it's like fucking hell. This is like quite, yeah. like, it it really like your, your heart absolutely sinks for for the characters. I think those those sadder moments hit harder than some of the stupider you know comedy elements i did i did i did chuckle at some of it i was like oh yeah it's silly old you know this silly old wizard you know it, it reminded me a little yeah. bit of like sword in the stone you know like merlin's always fucking up uh with yeah the, spells bum, the bumbling wizard archetype is actually the most powerful being in the entire fucking world yeah and they're all yeah. like they're all like your avatar i don't believe your avatar shut yeah. up you know this stupid little you know and again like you, earlier on you get this look of the character who's like when he's young and, yeah. and heroic and and i like that he's, he's this the actor's doing a peter folk impressions that's why he sounds <laughs> like that's why he sounds like columbo and uh ralph Baxter is <laughs> like i love columbo i love P- peter folk let's do more of that so yeah and <laughs> and i quite like that he's like smoking cigars and he's got the wisecracks and he's like this you know uh, i love that he's not your typical fantasy character avatar i like that no yeah eleanor i think again i i, I think there's there is a character dying to get out but there's, there's some really creepy yeah. moments between her and avatar like there's this love story between them and i'm like it's no, a, a load of shit yeah it's a bit problematic having a having a teacher be the love interest and yeah and and the bit where he's like oh i'm gonna go to bed and she's like she turns around and she's like she's like i need to avenge my father i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna cut their throats you know she's got a sword and everything and then <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's like he's like what are we gonna do avatar where are we gonna go how are we gonna solve it he's like, i'm too old for this shit you know i'm i'm, I'm done i'm busted i'm i'm no good <laughs> I'm three days to retirement <laughs> Pretty much, I'm too old for this shit. Uh, I mean, even the end, even the end is kind of a bit lethal weapon too, isn't it? Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's, it's just, just been revoked. revoked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's very much that. And uh, <laughs> this is this is a bit where he's like, "I'll oh, just stand there," and then she's like in this very sexualized pose, and and she's and I'm like, "Why would she be posing sexualized and just be like, okay, sure?" When she's like, no, I gotta kill the guy who killed my father. Yeah. Like, when she was screaming, like the scene before, she's screaming and scratching at, at Necron ninety nine or Peace, whatever mm. you want to call him, and you know she's screaming in agony and in grief. Why would she just be like, oh, I'm gonna be sexy on the end of this bed? Yeah, it goes against sort of like the anti sort of character that, that was initially created. So like because she does have this, she does look a certain way, and yet she behaves. In a completely different way, you know, wanting revenge, wanting you know to kill everything. Like I said, and then she, then she just stood there, like, oh well, maybe we should, you know, yeah. to be Big, more sexy. Hard, like, hard no. nipples, massively yeah. hard nipples, popping out. Fucking stick to the character as you as you've already created. That she she is, mm. she's she wants to murder people. It's yeah. not about how she looks; it's about how she acts. Yeah, what's what's her and, character? What's her motivations? Yeah. You know, but and it just it didn't seem true to the character they were trying to get. No. It's it's like cheesecake or it's fan service. Like, oh well, you want to see a fairy with big tits, don't you? So here it is, you know. It's, yeah. So I'm like, oh, it's not really probably right. what kids want. Kids want to see that kids no. film. No, they, they, all, they all the see, swastikas. They, they want to see fluffy Bambi and things like that. You know, yeah. don't, don't want to see this. <laughs> they don't want to see fairy prostitutes with saggy breasts. They don't yeah. want to see those. <laughs> like elves getting gunned down by MP40s. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah, they've got the big chain guns, haven't they? Like, yeah. fucking Jesus Christ. It is. Panzer tanks coming in. <laughs> yeah, rolling over the dead, you know, taking them hostage and stuff. And, you know, I, I agree with you about Weehawk as well. I think he's just your standard. There's no depth to Weehawk. No, it's just, like... it, it's, it's just a, an archetype, isn't it? It's just a, yeah. he's just a bog standard archetype, hero, heroic warrior character there's, there's nothing to him he's got the muscles he's got the brawn he's got the long flowing locks and he swings a sword around and it's, mm. it's very basic unfortunately shit shit him. aragorn shit aragorn oh well there yeah the, these are the oldest characters are like proto sort of characters for you know what was obviously in lord of the rings aren't they so you know they're, they're very sort of like oh kind of rip-offs but not it's mm. it's it's yeah so uh, everything in this film, it's on the fucking nose. I'll repeat it again. It's on the nose. You've <laughs> seen nose. it before, and yet it's fucking horrifying. <laughs> hmm. Well, speaking of horrifying as well, let's talk about uh, Black Wolf trying to have a child with this other elf character, this other elf princess. He's uh, he's in his his radioactive, uh, you know, land of Scorch that he lives in, has been forced to live in with all his mutants and dark yeah. denizens and devils. And and apparently that little lizard creature is based on Gollum as well. Um, apparently it's... it's yeah, I'm not surprised, to be fair, yeah. yeah. You can see that. And he, he has... He goes over to these kind of hooded figures and he's like, who are basically doctors, I guess, who have, you know, mm. inspected, expected her. Uh, will my will my child be normal or will it be a mutant? And they go, probably, probably a mutant, I think. And it's <laughs> like, right, well, the next one won't be. So and 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 then she screams, don't kill it. Don't kill it. It's not its fault. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, oh, it's fucking. It, it's really dark. This film, isn't it? it really it's is. Absurdly dark. It's so dark. I mean, the thing that freaks me out about about him is that he, he looks a bit like Rasputin. It's like mm. an undead Rasputin, isn't it? And just in just that imagery alone is terrifying. And you've got these these moments, ultra dark moments. Like you don't see anything, but the implication is there. Hmm. And the implication is enough because you know it's happened, and it's it's awful. It's it's really awful. Hammering home, it, this is a, a a kids' bloody movie. It's hmm. it's awful. She does she does turn up in the end. She does have the baby in arms. So the, we don't see the baby, so we don't know if it's a mutant or not. But that's yeah. beside that's beside the point anyway, because you know you raise the kid well, that's good. But she kind of distracts Weehawk after he runs in, punches Eleanor, calls her a slut. <laughs> You know, again, again, more, more problematic stuff. This, yeah. this whole film is probably, probably problematic for most people. And yeah, I and mean, you you won't you won't see this being played at quarter past ten at your local Odeon. Yeah, it won't be. It won't be, it won't be on ITV. It won't be on ITV two or anything. No, at Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. Now a lovely kids movie, wizards. They were like, we can't even. We can't. It, 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 this would be impossible to even edit. Like edit all that shit out. It'd be impossible. Uh, it would be. If you did it, if they did edit, you'd have like a twenty-minute special. <laughs> and all it, all it'd be is like the fluffiest moments of the film, which just look even dark and depressed as it is. And then mm. yeah, I think, so. I think so. Madness. I think so. It's a it's a totally unique film, and again, I quite like it. I really. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I love the energy, the cre- the imagination behind it, the vibrancy, the authenticity, the message. Um, there's a there's a lot you can take away. You know, it's classic animation. It's it's a unique story, and he's told it in his own way, and I appreciate that. There's 
there's very, very rare where you can you see a film nowadays and go, you know, that was really authentic. That was something different. That was unique. Yeah. How, how many films do you watch on your channel and be like, this is just, you know, copy and paste, copy and paste bullshit? Yeah, yeah. Everything's just a fucking copy and paste these days. You know, it's reboots or sequels. It's the same thing. It's the same stories and the same yeah. beats, same type of characters. I've got to, you know, you've got to give it to him. It is different. And it's yeah. raw, and it's it's never boring. It's never boring. It is no, even even though you, you you probably will get lost in a few moments and be like, where the fuck is this? What mm. what am I watching? I wouldn't say I was ever sort of bored by anything of it. I think it was just sort of kind of like if you if you miss it if you miss a beat, you get left behind a little bit. I think that's sure. the problem. And you can you can miss a beat for any number of reasons where sure. you just you just don't you don't kind of understand what's going on or you, you miss a point. That's the thing with this film. It's it's it is it is it is a really really good film, you know, in terms of ideas, in terms of what it's trying to say and the message. I wouldn't say it's a very good film in terms of story. No. <laughs> and in terms of a selling point, the message, you know, the style, the sheer goal to create it, I think Absolutely. is well is well worth sort of like anybody watching it. Yeah, I I, I highly, highly recommend it. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Andy, to a to a degree. <laughs> Yeah, to, to a degree, I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, like yeah. I said, I don't, I don't, if I'm being if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't mm. think I will ever go back to this film. I don't I think. think I, I do think it's definitely something you have to see at least once because it's so unique, and you'll mm. never there'll never be another film like it. Even by Bakshi's standards, he's never made another film like with. No, but they have toyed. He's toyed with the idea of doing a sequel for bloody years, though, wasn't he? It didn't sound very good, though. The premise is that, like, obviously, yeah. obviously, Eleanor and Eleanor and uh, Avatar get together and they go off to create their own land and family and stuff. And Wee Hawk is in charge of the Fairy Kingdom now. He takes over. Yeah. And the implication is that We Hulk would come between them and there'll be this love triangle. I was like, that sounds utter dog shit. Sorry. Yeah, like, sounds- I don't I don't I don't think it would because the, the fact of this film is like what 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 is interesting about it is the shock value. Yeah, we're talking we're talking it's mid-70s, mid to late 70s. And we're talking about films that, you know, when they were shown, they did shock people. And it's not just not just this film, it's you know, horror horror movies, you know, then you know, even late night movies, you know, that were, were shown that have now become mainstream and things like that. You know, this is of that sort of genre. This is of that sort of style, the shock value, like getting people to sort of sit there and go, fucking hell, what did I just watch? I don't think you can replicate it. I don't think there's any way that you can re- replicate it in terms of creating a sequel. I think mm. a sequel would probably sort of like diminish the sort of horrifying impact of this. You know, the, the shock value would diminish it. Sort of like, you know, sequels to Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Friday the 13th or things like that. The further you go with sequels, the less impactful the originals are. I think that's the problem. I don't, I don't, if the, if the sequel was to come of this, is there any way you can replicate the shock value of seeing, you know, Nazi imagery on screen that's influencing elves and demoralizing them? I don't think so. And again, I, I love a good post-apocalyptic movie as well. And this, you know, technically fits in that genre. Even oh, yeah. Well, though, yeah. Even yeah. Though it's, it, a, it, it's several genres intermingled, yeah. isn't it? Matched together. And again, really interesting, really creative. Like if if you're looking for like an artist's kind of canvas, like this is this is a is a work of art. Again, it's rough, it's not, you know, completely cohesive, but yeah. it's it's fascinating to watch. It's interesting to 
to see those ideas play, to see the character, just just those little sequences, like you're saying, with the they're piled up with the elf bodies and they're shooting away. You know, there's that the little sequence when they're in the trenches and the guys, like the old guys, like oh, listen to me, kid, and he's got that pipe with two big yeah. t- tits on, uh, you know, and he's he's smoking away. He's like oh, listen to me, kid, they're rubbish, they'll never win. And then they come in and again they show the Nazi propaganda with their magic yeah. projector. And we see the the evil that is fascism. And again, it's, you know, fascism is only, you know, it's a hair's breadth away from coming back yeah. at, at any one point. Uh, I don't care what you say. I saw a poster the other day and it was like, why has fascism come back? And it was like a an advert for some political rally or, <clears throat> or something. I was like, I was like, fascism never went away. It's still here. No, no. There's always there's always somebody, you know, vying for that, or it's, you know, it's gonna happen, even yeah. if it's not in this country, it's in every, it's in a look quite a few other countries we all, all it takes as as is evidenced in this film is a suggestible population that's all it takes it's just people that are able to be suggestible to ideas which is what happens in this you've got you've got you've got sub creatures and lesser lesser creatures you know lesser elements of society you know I'm not saying that any human being is lesser to another but you no. have these you have these elements in society which are you know they perceive themselves to be sort of forgotten about mm. you know the forgotten generations forgotten youth and all this they're looking for something to rally them, to inspire them. And like you said, you get you get Piers Morgan, you get Joe Rogan, you get mm. Marine Le Pen, you get all these that are inspiring, you know, this these particular groups of individuals because they don't they feel like they don't have a voice. And yet mm. these people that, that might well be swinging to the right wing or even mm. the far left, mm. you know, they they they're they're influencing them. They're giving them a voice that they never feel like they had before, for good or for ill. You know, whether it is the far left or the far right, and that—that's the thing. That's the thing. I think we've had, you know, for a very long time, very centralized opinions, and you know, similar to in, in this film, it was—it's it's all it's all centralized until somebody finds that spark, and that spark is this this buried message that's been hidden for a very long time. And when that happens in the real world, which you've seen before with Donald Trump, you've you've seen like, you know, he hits the nail on the head with certain types of messaging. And once people react to that in a positive way, then it builds and it builds and it builds and it keeps building until you get the desired result. That's what this film, that's what this film shows. Yeah, okay, the creatures from, you know, from underneath the earth, but they get inspired. And then the more they, the more they hear, the more they see, the more they do, you know, like, oh well, you know, this is the right way. This is this is how we're going to win the war. And then you see the elves who are the beacons of light and you know innocence and whatever. They're struggling because they can't they can't they can't deal with this negative imagery. They can't deal with it. And this, this is how it is in society. Mm. It's like our society at the minute. You know, everything's powered by social media. You see a negative image, you're going to react one way or the other. That's the way it is. And it, it's, it's terrifying. This film sort of like. Yeah, it does suggest like oh, this post-apocalyptic world is coming. Well, funnily enough, it's not far that it's not that far off, is it really? In terms of like the message polluting ideas, and you know, inspiring and you know, technology, you know, being the bearer of bad news and creating. I think I saw untold, some... untold misery. Absolutely, like I could I couldn't agree with any any more with all that stuff you were saying. But I saw recently, I think on the news today, people were doing like a computer. Didn't Russia send out like, oh, we could nuke you in like five seconds flat and you'd be dead? It was some sort of 
computer, I don't know, program or plan or something that they were like, mm. this is what would happen if we, what this is what we can do and this is the effect it would have. Yeah, it was like sort of like a yeah. like an advertising threat, wasn't it? It was like, yeah. here's a public service message from from the Russian Federation. Mm. And and that's propaganda. Make America great again. That's propaganda. Like that, I couldn't I couldn't think of a more obvious bit of propaganda. You know, like you were saying with Trump and everything. Yeah. Um, well, actually, there's good propaganda and there's 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 negative propaganda. Yeah. It's 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 how you react to it. Mm. You know, because Apple Apple adverts on TV is propaganda. Oh yeah, it's telling you you need to buy a new phone and there's nothing wrong with your fucking phone. You know that kind of stuff. The next Big Mac's out. Well, that's propaganda because it's telling you you need to buy it. Mm. Do you? Do you really? No, not not really. Do you need to buy into this political opinion? No. But if you're feeling shit and you've got you don't feel like you've got anybody listening to you, then somebody on TV goes, "Oh well, here's this. Here's my opinion." You go, "I agree with that opinion." We do it with movie critics. Sure. We do it with opinions on you know people have opinions on video games and and comics. Oh, this comics crap. And somebody else goes, "Actually, I think it's really great." And you might latch onto either one of those opinions you know i do it i don't expect everyone to you know agree with my opinion but some people have latched onto my opinions and gone yeah you're absolutely right and some people have gone no you're you're fucking arsehole and you're talking absolute shit and send me private messages and that's, then deleted their accounts andy okay, that's just andy, andy that's just me i just send uh, well yeah i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> yeah it's tickled me it's tickled me I, I, yeah. numerous private messages that you click on their account and it's been deleted you're like all right yeah, but then, really? again, that if we're talking about subhumans, they're the subhumans. Uh, <laughs> the you know, pe- the, the the yeah, exactly. The hateful, those hateful people, full of you know hate, rage, and you know yeah. all that horrible, vile, vitriolic bullshit yeah. that people are full of. And again, uh, people can get you know uh, you know radicalized quite easily. Like it, it happens on a, on a daily basis. And and again, like this this film is saying that as well. All it takes yeah. is. One little image or one little thing to send you on yeah. this course. The key, could... the key phrases that you want to hear, mm. and you will take up arms. There you go. There you go. Well, I think we've come to an end because I think I think uh, you know we've not really talked about all oh, the magic, all oh, the wizards, all oh, the fantasy. That's I think that's all. That's all inconsequential, isn't it? I think. True. Yeah, it's it's called wizards, and yeah, it is. It is a high. It's a high fantasy film, mm. but that's kind of like sort of like the the paint on the canvas isn't it mm. it's not what's been drawn they think the the the, the, the coloring you know sort of like the wizardry and everything that is sort of like an extension of what the film actually is that's sort of my takeaway from it i don't believe it that it is like a, a sort of like a wizard's kind of film or like a, you know like you know, like harry potter kind of thing it's it's much more than that it's much more deeper than that it's much more based in reality in the guise of this childlike civilized childlike environment this childlike story it's much more than that it's much deeper than that and the I wizards think, are just the painting yeah and i think that using wizards to get that message across using the high fantasy to get that message across is inspired and again people talk about people forcing politics on them and da, 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 and all these problems and stuff like all arts political one way or another oh, and, yeah. and you know you, you, can't, you can't help it it's it's just it's just yeah, it's this, this picture of a deer behind me is completely political <laughs> it's, it's got it's got it's got branches growing off its antlers I'm in the living room um my 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 studio is in in development this political statement of the deer is all to do with the environment because it's it, it's an innocent animal with branches growing on it and we're destroying the environment. So yeah, you're right. Everything's political. There you go. There you go. Like, again, if you, you bought it from IKEA. <laughs> IKEA known for being very political. Uh, 
But you're right, absolutely right. And I think you've absolutely got what Ralph Bakshi is about. Like that's his creed, that's his ethos. You know, again, he wants creative freedom and he's never really had it to a degree. Like he has had some creative freedom, but then obviously that's met with controversy and stuff. But, you know, a lot of his films have been taken away from him, like Cool World he did and a few others have been literally just pulled away or he's not been allowed to edit them or he's not been allowed to do stuff with it, like mixing live action with animation. You know, he, uh, he produced a, and he used to work for Terry Toons who did Mighty Mouse back in the day. And he, yeah, yeah, he also animated the 60s Spider-Man cartoon, which is probably why it was so fucking weird. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) It was fucking weird. Those later episodes. It all makes sense. Those are, they're fucking mental. Anyway, but he, he's, Put a, he put it together, he put a new series together in the late 80s and he got all the kind of powerhouses of animation, basically gave them their start, give them free creative control on that show so they could do whatever they want, whatever idea, whatever they wanted to come up with. He just said, yeah. just run with it. And, you know, he paid them well. They had a good, they had good practice. They had good times. And like, like Bruce Tim, obviously not, not many years after that went to do Tiny Toons. And then he went to do yeah. Batman, the, Batman, the animated series and on and on and on. And, and there's other, there's other names in, in animation. I'll see if I can find them uh, on here. I've got them somewhere. Here we go. So we've got Bruce Tim and, Andrew Stanton, Dave Marshall, and Jeff Pigeon. So if you know your animation, those guys' names will crop up a lot, even mm. in even in stuff like Pixar and various other things. Yeah, like yeah. They've gone on to bigger and greater things, and he paid them well. He gave them creative control, and he's all about the little guy, Ralph Bakshi. He's always been about the little guy and defending and, and you know, yeah. he doesn't, doesn't like the fat cats and the, you know, the crypto fascists and all this sort of stuff. Like... <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, he's do you, do you mean to say that everything's coming full circle again now? And then we're going back to that period in the 60s and 70s where artists were completely underpaid mm. in favor of a you know more easily accessible media, possibly, possibly like, sanitized, buying, yeah, like buying Twitter for 44 million, but again, um, yeah, the 44 yeah. billion that is, yeah. yeah, well, well, yeah, and you know, free speech is potentially under. Lock and key potentially yeah, on, on things like that. Is, free speech is now um, owned. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be copyrighted. Copyrighted. Well, 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 my 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 Facebook um, got unpublished and now republished. It's back. Yeah. Um, and then who was it? Um, Dan 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 Burgess, who's been a yeah, guest, guest yeah, on the I podcast. His, his has just been unpublished. So I don't know what. And his is a photography is. thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't. I honestly don't know. And, and I, I've, you know, I, I, I sent loads of appeals out to kind of say what what's going on. I'm not sure what's happening. And yeah, I, I, I think it's one of two things. Either I've been I've been sharing too much on the Facebook groups. It was the wrong type of page. The location yeah. the location was wrong or something. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Fucking but, algorithms. That's what it is. Yeah, the algorithm will get you. Fucking algae rhythm. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we I think we have come to an end. I think we have talked long and hard about the politics of wizards. Yeah. Um, and again, I've, I've cherry picked all the, the subjects this month could try to be a, l- a lot of varied stuff. So, uh, and I think this is probably arguably the most political film of the bunch and, you know, but I've had, a lot, I've had a lot of fun with it and I think you've had a lot of fun with it too. You know, I have. I have. It, it's been an experience. It's been an experience, but, uh, I thought, uh, I thought we'd have a look at maybe a little, you know, slightly, you know, you know what I look at the kind of stuff I, I bring up and bring to the fore for you. Um, shit crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I get it, 
fucking mental stuff. Anyway, Andy, you're on the social medias. You have a YouTube ta- channel, a YouTube channel. Tell people where that is, where they can find you. Well, quite simply, you can find me on YouTube at um, Angry Andy Reviews. Just type that in. You'll find me. I do a lot of reviews on movies. Um, I'm going to be doing a review on Picard Series 2 as soon as the final episode has come out. You should have already seen that by the time this podcast is out, but there's there's a couple of other things doing, like The Northman, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, yeah, can't wait for that one. Yeah, I've had a bit of a break um, recently um, with the arrival of uh, my replicant, um, (laughs) uh, my offspring. Um, Understandable, understandable. So yeah, I've been taking a little bit of a break. Um, you got time hit- stuff while I'm building a new studio as well. Um, but yeah, so you can find me on there. There's all sorts of crazy stuff, and I'll be uploading as and when I can. But I'm also on Twitter at uh, Andy underscore Review. So find me on there as well. Find you on there. Fantastic. Well, uh, yeah. Well, uh, I, there's a huge back catalogue of Andy's stuff. I'm on there as well on the on the odd occasion as well. The Matrix, uh, Re- the Matrix Resurrections. Don't don't remind me. Don't <laughs> don't remind me. Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> that was angry. Da- that, that was angry Dan reviews. That's that's what that one. Was. It was Jesus. That's why I wanted you to do it because I knew you were fucking raging. I was I was mad. I was mad. I only, I only got more angry the more I thought about it on the drive home. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, you can find me on Facebook. You can definitely find me on Facebook. It's at Secret Balls. Uh, Twitter is at Dan underscore Balls. <laughs> Instagram. You, at, you okay. <laughs> I'm, having, I'm having a stroke. That's what I'm doing. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Too much coffee, I think, today. Uh, Instagram is at Spider Dan Secret Balls. Review, like, share, comment, subscribe, etc. And don't forget to use the hashtag Prepare for Prattle when you interact with us. If you want to join the Pratalian and to be briefed in full on the secret balls swing over to Brat world at spiderdanandthesecretballs.com and I'd like to thank my patrons on Patreon I'm Jack's Musings Paul Meller Max Byrne Scott Hodgson Simon Cotton Mike Burton and Angry Andy Reviews and you uh, should but- join you should join as well join, come on come along join Brat world Come on down, down, you son of a bitch. Be part of the Pratalian. And uh, yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Thank you, Andy. I hope you guys have enjoyed Wizard Month that you the Pratalian did vote for uh, over over Andy's World War II month. Um, But now you're part of the Don't worry, I'll have my revenge. I'll stroll in with my tanks and my (laughs) my air force and carpet bomb your opinions. To be fair, we have talked a lot about World War II today on yeah, this one. So, so I did get my revenge. So Revenge this- of the Angry Andy. <laughs> the greatest yes. film you've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you, Andy, again. It's been great. It's been far too long. Uh, yeah. And we will, do, we will do something again very, very soon. Oh, we will. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.